the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We uh, are trained Marxists. <laughs> hey guys, good morning. Uh, I am really excited for this episode because I was just watching this morning Candace Owens' new documentary, Exposing Black Lives Matter, and it's a good one. So I think I'll talk about that more in depth next episode or in a future episode. But keep in mind, this is the founder of Black Lives Matter. We uh, are trained Marxists. We've seen over the last few years the rise of some pretty dangerous practices. I am a believer in this idea that communism itself is made up of three pillars and can really only be created with the use of these three pillars. And that is socialism, which I believe is the main pillar. And then you also have totalitarianism and authoritarianism. Totalitarianism is basically the elimination of any wrong thing. You are in control. The regime is in control. And if you do not say what they want you to say, do what they want you to do, if you don't comply with what they expect of you in terms of your political thought, your political speech, and your support of the regime, then you're done. Totalitarianism. Now, authoritarianism is basically the use of force to achieve your political goals instead of choice. So America was founded to be a society rooted in choice, in free will. But authoritarians believe in forcing the people into certain action, all to achieve their political goals. I think we're seeing the use of these three pillars in America. Now, and I forgot to bring up socialism, but socialism is that main pillar because once you have economic and financial control of the people, you can pretty much do anything you want with them, right? And it kind of opens up the door. That's why dictators in history have said socialism is the required step to get to communism. Now, with all that being said, you have people in America and some of the most popular groups in the nation, like Black Lives Matter, saying that they founded the entire organization to be a Marxist organization. Now, what is Marxism? It, it means that you divide the population. Marxism divides the working class, the, the have-nots versus the haves, so the, the wealthy people. But there's this other aspect to Marxism that takes it away from class status and puts it into what you look like. It's called cultural Marxism. And so you divide people between the haves and the have-nots, but it's more so based on gender, based on race, based on sexual orientation. And in America, we're experiencing something so unique because we have the rise of these economic socialists that are advocating for things like the Green New Deal, but you also have the rise of these woke people and all of these woke ideologies that create identity groups. And when you create more and more of these identity groups and you create more and more of these issues in society based on identity, you then have more and more endless numbers of ways to divide the population. So not just men versus women. Remember the Me Too movement and the pink pussy hats and all that stuff. That alone was a way that they were dividing us. It was very, very aggressive. But now... 
I guess women don't even exist, and men can get pregnant, and women are just breastfeeding or chest feeding. Yeah, not breastfeeding. You can't use that word because that's too womanly. We're chest feeders. We're people who can get pregnant, et cetera, et cetera. So they keep finding ways to do that. And to see Black Lives Matter get exposed in this way is just so enjoyable. So if you have a Daily Wire subscription, you guys, you can see it. I have one, so I'm going to finish watching probably later today, and then I'll I'll check back in with you on what my my later thoughts are on it. That being said, this idea of thought control, of action control, this idea of totalitarianism to control a population and achieve political goals, we see that especially on college campuses. So I'm going to start today. Our first story is going to be actually a win. It's nice to see people fight back that believe in freedom of speech, that believe in our values, that believe in core principles like free will, like independence of an individual. It's so interesting to see that it's rare, but it's kind of happening now. And I'm just thankful. So I have a great story that I'm going to share with you having to do with Yale Law School and the woke students and administration. We're seeing what happens when you actually stand up. So we'll get into that in a little bit. First, we got to get into the show. All right, before I tell you about the Yale Law School story, you guys have helped build my pillow into an incredible company that it is today, and you've trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. So on top of the exclusive sale for my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream Bed Sheet sets that are marked down as low as $29.98 that you can get with code MORGAN, huge discounts with code MORGAN on MyPillow.com, Mike is now changing the game with his three-piece towel set. So the set is made with USA cotton. It's extremely absorbent, yet it still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. So it comes with one bath, one hand towel, one washcloth, and it typically retails for $49.99. But with code MORGAN, you can, for a limited time, get this three-piece towel set for $19.98. So don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply. Be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374. Use promo code MORGAN or go to MyPillow.com. Click the radio listener square and use promo code MORGAN. Okay, like I said, we are going to start with a positive story, some action, people, some solutions. I'm so excited. I was loving this story when I was reading it at first, and now I'm excited to share with you guys. We have a situation now where judges in America are announcing that they are no longer hiring people who went to Yale because they feel like Yale is turning their brains into mush, dangerous mush at that. They are concerned that the students are being indoctrinated to dangerous levels and it shouldn't be allowed in the justice system. How amazing is that? Because justice, the whole point, the, the, the fact that when you see the statue with you know, the woman and she's representing justice, she has a blindfold over her eyes because justice is supposed to be blind. But these woke schools, especially the woke uh, elite schools that teach people how to go practice law, they're teaching them to bring not a blindfold to enter the situation in a respectful way to both parties and give justice to the situation. But no, no, no. They teach that you have to bring a watchful woke eye to the situation and provide equity, not justice. And so you have to, you know, lean the scales a little bit one way or the other to provide equality and actually provide justice, but social justice is that. 
So it's gotten so bad, apparently, with this one school that the judges announced they're no longer hiring the students from there. How crazy is that? I haven't heard a story like this in a long time. It feels good. Let's look at this. It's from the Washington Free Beacon. I'm just going to pick the parts that really stuck out to me from the article. But it says, a dozen federal judges say they are no longer hiring clerks from Yale Law School, setting a slew of scandals that they say have undermined free speech and intellectual diversity. In addition to the Fifth Circuit Judge James Ho, who announced on Thursday that he would no longer hire law clerks from the nation's top-ranked law school, 12 federal judges, both circuit and district court jurists, told the Washington Free Beacon that they are joining the boycott. Students should be mindful that they will face diminished opportunities if they go to Yale, said a prominent circuit court judge whose clerks have gone on to nab Supreme Court clerkships. I have no confidence that they are being taught anything. So a very high-level judge said, I have no faith that the people at Yale, the number one top-ranked law school, are being taught anything, and I'm not hiring them anymore because it's not fair to the justice system. That's how serious the situation has gotten. Now, this is important because if you're a student, you want to work for important judges that can get you to the higher levels. And so if you want to clerk for the Supreme Court one day, then you better get a good position right out of law school that can get you to those positions. And if you're seeing that people who get jobs in the Supreme Court for you in the future are not going to even hire you because of what school you go to, because you're going to be taught mush in your brain. Oh my gosh, isn't that quite impactful? The judges joining the boycott, all of whom requested anonymity in order to speak freely, cited a series of incidents where they say free speech has come under attack at Yale Law. The law school's diversity director described one student's membership in the conservative Federalist Society, for example, as, quote, triggering, according to the leaked audio obtained by the Free Beacon. Now, you guys, I do Freedom Papers with Turning Point USA. What is Freedom Papers? It's us breaking down the Federalist Papers. It's us talking about the Federalists, the Anti-Federalist Papers, the core purpose of federalism in our nation, what our founders intended for America when they were forming it, the debates that they had, and all of this with the intention of creating a fair and just society that would provide dignity and freedom to all of its people and improve over time, you know, a more perfect union with the passing of time. So, The fact that they're concerned that a student is associated with the Federalist Society, which is a very, very normal, more conservative organization that really does strive for um, protecting the Constitution and the freedoms of the people, that's kind of concerning, wouldn't you say? That they are triggered by a student's association to the Federalist Society. I mean, come on. Then in March, over 100 Yale Law students disrupted a bipartisan panel on civil liberties causing so much chaos that police were called to escort the speakers to safety. What? Though the disruption was an apparent violation of Yale's free speech policies, Yale Law School Dean Heather Gerken ruled out disciplinary action for the protesters. She even denied that the students had transgressed any formal policy, a move that sparked blowback from her colleague Kate Stith, who warned that Gerken was setting a terrible precedent. So the students at Yale Law School, the number one law school in America, had so much problem with the fact that people were openly speaking about uh, civil liberties. Conservatives were there on campus speaking that they needed to try and shout them down and interrupt a bipartisan panel. 
And the school, instead of saying, hey, you're going against our policy here, they have a right to speak here on campus, the school supported the students who were shutting down the speech of someone that they disagreed with. Do you see how this is a very fundamental problem? And then the the adults in the room, the administration, supported it and endorsed it. Another circuit court judge, a top, quote, feeder for Supreme Court clerkships, said that he was torn on whether to participate in the boycott, but that the case for it had gotten stronger over the past year. He said, quote, I've hired a bunch of great Yale law clerks, the judge said, but at some point, the institution becomes so worthless and degenerate, <laughs> funny, so worthless and degenerate that you wonder what conservative would want to be a part of it. Several judges noted that Yale is the only elite law school that does not employ a single prominent conservative scholar, which they argued made it more susceptible to groupthink. It's hard for me to see how one can be a or get a rigorous, well-rounded education in that environment, said one district court judge. And that is a concern when it comes to hiring law clerks. Wow, they don't even employ a single conservative at Yale Law School? I did not know that. Now, you guys, here's the thing. This, I'm sharing this with you because we need some positive stories from time to time. This is frustrating as all get out, right? To see that this is the indoctrination even law school students are going into. Because what do they do? They graduate from law school with this indoctrination where the administration, the adults that are radical leftists, are encouraging them to reject free speech of their political opponents. And then they graduate from that school, they take their degree, they get a very high fancy schmancy job, and then they use their education, they use their status to carry out those same political principles of shouting down their political opponents, carrying out anti-American policies in the workplace, whether they get maybe a corporate job, whether they work in our government's judicial system, whether they work in the justice system, maybe helping others out or discriminating against others, for example— For example, we have an issue of the Biden regime's executive branch bureaucratic offices attacking conservatives. What do I mean by that? For example, Candace Owens releases this Black Lives Matter documentary exposing them for completely trashing the movement's stated goal to help black Americans, to empower black Americans. They fundraise Tens of millions of dollars. I believe it's hundreds of millions at this point. But they fundraised all that money and nobody even knows what it's going to. And you see headline after headline of them wasting that money or putting it to the uh, use of buying mansions that they say help empower the black people that live in those new mansions. It's like, what? I could go on and on about the headlines that we have seen about what Black Lives Matter has and hasn't done. But Candace Owens, what, does a, a documentary exposing it two weeks after the promotion for her documentary is released. Candace Owen gets a letter from the IRS that says, we're going to be investigating your nonprofit now. Cause she has a nonprofit called Blexit black exit. It's like after Brexit in England, she calls it Blexit. It's been around for years and she empowers inner city youth and does a bunch of really sweet programs. Okay. It's a wholesome thing. Has cool events, etc. The IRS What did they say to a conservative that dared to try and expose Black Lives Matter for spending nonprofit dollars wrong? The IRS says, we're going to challenge you and your nonprofit. We're going to investigate where you're spending your money. We're going to investigate you and what you're doing with your your donor dollars. That's the kind of threat and intimidation that the left likes to use. And when they have people that are educated throughout law school to think this way, about their political opponents and to believe that it's okay to do such a thing 
and to oppress other people because you think you're more righteous in your political thought, that's how you end up with more and more and more of this. That's how you end up with people like Dr. Fauci because they have no training, no experience in the world of what American values really are. That's why with Dr. Fauci, you guys, he had said, oh, this is a health thing to me. This isn't a liberty thing. This isn't a freedom thing. It's like, yeah, no crap. We're aware that to you, Dr. Fauci, this isn't a freedom thing because it's not important to you because you clearly lack the education on it. So why are you the number one paid employee of the federal government? Why do you make like $400,000? Why are you the highest paid employee in our government? Why? If you can't stand up for core American constitutional values and also do your job at the same time, then you are unfit for office. You're unfit for the position. Um, So that's what we're seeing. When we see these law schools train up students to behave in such a way and to have these certain values, they get high paying political jobs that have influence and power over the people. And guess what? They weaponize the power of the government, the power of the justice system against us. So I'm thankful to see this positive story coming out of Yale Law School's recent actions and the judges that are holding them accountable. It's really cool to see. All right, got to cut in before we move on to the next story. If you guys want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in school districts across Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and it's a force for conservative values. That's because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates that believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning when they do it. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Morgan. Special discounts are available for veterans and first responders. Join the movement, make the switch today, and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, or call 972-PATRIOT. You guys, it's October 14th. So what does that mean? The elections for the midterms, they're coming up. Early November, if you guys have your election day plan, then that's fantastic. If you have your 10 people that you're going to bring to the polls with you, that's fantastic. I can't tell you how many actual campaigns I have witnessed, especially at the local level, win or lose by one vote. One vote. So I really don't want to hear it that oh, one, one person can't bring change in an election so I don't show up to vote. Ma'am, I've heard way too many stories of campaigns actually losing by one vote to hear that excuse anymore, okay? And sometimes, you know what, maybe it's 10 votes. But it's like, really? If just 10 more people in the town had the effort to show up on election day and just cast their vote for five minutes, you could have had different leadership for the next two years. And leadership matters. That's what we've learned over COVID. What will your leader do if a crisis is claimed to be happening about health? Will they shut down the town? Will they stand up for your rights, your business's rights against the state tyrannical governments? If your state is tyrannical, will they stand up against the federal tyrannical behaviors? Or Will they comply and will they send child protective services after the local salon owners for daring to open? Will they try and overtax you or send you all of these fines for $70,000 for opening up your small business during a health crisis that is basically like a more aggressive form of the flu? It all matters at the end of the day. You never know what is going to happen. And from the bottom to the top, all levels of leadership 
in our society matter so much. So please show up to vote on election day. Now, here's the thing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am not a Republican anymore. I can't stand it. Okay. I do not proudly align with the GOP. I don't know what the heck they've been doing for the last few decades. And now that I am, you know, come of age, I guess you could say, now that I'm an adult, I'm 25, I'm able to look and see what the heck were they doing for all of those decades? How did we allow this to happen? And I'm talking about from the moment of the 60s and 70s when they established the Civil Rights Act and it became the basis for the left to do everything that they wanted, even if it wasn't constitutional. We now have a second constitution. If you haven't read The Age of Entitlement yet, you're missing out. I hope you read that book because it really shows the failures of the Republican Party from that moment on. It's the moment our country changed because we became a country focused on litigation, suing each other over violations of things like the Civil Rights Act instead of legislation, which is the process our founders intended for massive change to be happening in our country. Now, getting away from that, yes, I'm highly disappointed in the Republican Party. I see what they're doing today. I see them go on the news. Like, I, I, I love the fact that like Tucker and these news guys are holding them accountable for the first time, and they just won't even have them on their show anymore to spread their BS. They've moved on. It's like Tucker's like not interested in wasting his time with them anymore. And I appreciate that because it just pander. They just pander. So it's frustrating to see. And I would argue that even though I'm not proud of the structure of the GOP, literally from the county level, state level into the RNC in DC, I would argue that it's still fixable if we take it over. And you can look at Hidalgo County in Texas, where Myra Flores and her people won that race that Democrats have been winning for over 100 years. That's how she won. They had an overtake of their county GOP. She was a volunteer involved in her community, in her church. Her husband is a Border Patrol agent. She's a mother of, I think, three. And after the GOP had completely been swiped out and replaced with good community people that had conservative values, they literally took over all the precinct positions and then had elections and elected their own people into the leadership positions. They took out the bad guys. And then they won because they ran Myra in the open seat when it came up a little bit later. We could do that in every single county. So I am a conservative I'm a Christian. I'm a constitutionalist. I should probably put Christian first if we're going in order, but I didn't mean it in any important order. But I'm more so those three things. And yes, that aligns me more with voting for the Republicans. There's a bunch of different aspects here that, you know, it's it's frustrating because you see bad GOP candidates and you understand or you should understand that this is not a personality game once it's in the general election. The primary is a fun opportunity to pick your guy, right? To pick the guy that you want to represent the Republican Party in the election. That's when you can be like, you know what? I really like his tone. I like his platform. I like his policies. I like his ideas. I like that he's a good family man. I like all this stuff. That's when you pick the good guy to represent you and your side to go up in the general election against the Democrat. That's how it works here in America. Two-party system. The founders told us to avoid it, but what do you know? Here we are. So this is what we're stuck with right now. When we take the primary winner and put them up against the Democrat, it is now a numbers game. In the state legislatures, in the governor's house, in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., in the Senate, all of these positions are now just a bigger part of a numbers game. 
where you're trying to win the majority. Because when your party wins the majority, you then get to pick the leadership positions. So for example, biggest example, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. The Speaker of the House is Nancy Pelosi because the Democrats won majority last time. If we win majority, we get to replace Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi will become the minority leader. And then you have a Republican Speaker of the House who then gets to decide with her leadership team, whoever it may be, as the new Republican Speaker, they will decide who leads every single committee, which Republican will be put in charge of every single committee. From the stuff having to do with health and COVID to the stuff having to do with investigations to the stuff having to do with controlling the FBI and the craziness that's happening there and holding them accountable, the stuff having to do with our veterans, the stuff having to do with education. Do you see what I mean? So right now, the Democrats are leading all of those committees. They decide how the bills are allowed, what bills are allowed, what's allowed in the bill. It's basically all just procedures from that point. So it's a numbers game. People drive me crazy when I hear them say that they show up on election day and literally just pick from one side to the other of Republican to Democrat based on people's personalities. You guys have to understand that this is a numbers game. Do you want the Democrats to have majority or do you, do you want the Republicans to have majority? I want Republicans to have the majority. I'm massively disappointed in them, but I take them over Democrats any single day. So that opens up a few conversations, right? The first one is let's see who's, who's winning right now in terms of the polls, because we're only a couple weeks away said, when you look at our most recent NBC poll here and you ask folks, what is the single most important issue that's going to drive your vote in this year's midterm elections? A combined 34 percent cite either jobs in the economy or inflation. And you combine those two, that's the biggest single number you're going to get. And on that question, the Republicans have a nearly 30-point advantage over the Democrats. It's 8% in our most recent poll who cite abortion as the number one issue in their midterm vote. Democrats have a comparable advantage uh, within that 8% over Democrats, but 34 versus 8. That's economy and inflation. That's where abortion is in between. Okay. So from a high level on this, my very basic analysis would be if this is a fair election, (laughs) if you know what I mean, if this is a fair election, I have a feeling Republicans will win back majority and everything. That being said, I think Republicans are taking the red wave for granted. I also would argue that there's some forces out there that want you to think that the red wave is not going to happen because they hope that they can try and convince us to take it for granted and then not show up. And then the Democrats have a greater chance. Now this is like basic political science. If you convince the other side that they're a shoe in, a lot of them will just be like, Oh, well I don't even have to show up and vote. So uh, I'm just going to go home and make dinner. The human nature of democracy of voting in a Republic is insane. You guys, for the most part, most people don't vote. Now, if you're going to vote, here's the thing. Most people decide who to vote for literally like 24 hours before they show up to vote. It's it's not like they're like thinking it out and listening to the Morgan Zegger show and, you know, really analyzing all the things. For the most part, people do not pay attention to politics. And even if they show up to vote, it's standard that they like look last minute before they show up to the polls. And on that day, pick who they're going to vote. They're like, okay, I've never heard of these names before. Let me just vote for these people. Sure. That's the standard practice. If you see in the news a lot that it's a shoo-in for Republicans, Republicans often will be like, or Democrats do the same. They'll be like, oh, 
okay, well, then I think we're all good. I don't need to go. And then that can literally sway an election the opposite way. So there's little mind games that can get played every election season. I also talked to you guys last time about October Surprise, where all the big stories pop out in October to try and crash a campaign. So all the dirty laundry, all the personal attacks, everything starts to come out. Now, looking at the issues, if you looked basically at the issues of all the tyrannical oppression that we've seen throughout the last two years during COVID because of the shutdowns, the forced vaccine mandates, then Republicans win in a landslide. But as I showed you in that video, there's about 8% or so, and I wonder if that's probably actually bigger, of people that will show up specifically just because of abortion. Now, that says a lot about the state of the nation, that they want to be able to protect hookup culture so much, uh, a degenerate practice. They want to protect that so much because they want to just empower women so much that they feel empowered enough to be able to kill their children because we've told them that that's the best practice for them if they ever end up in that situation. The fact that that's the the issue that will drive at least 8% of Americans to the polls this year is astonishing to me compared to all of the other issues that are very pressing. But that's unfortunately the state of the world that we are currently in today. I have a feeling that this could be a much larger number because, and I think the older people in politics don't understand this fully, social media culture and young women culture and even young men culture is so disgusting at this point, is so indoctrinated at this point with pop culture, with what they see in the movies, with what they see on TV, with what they hear from the singers and the songwriters that they they love to listen to every single day at the concerts. It happens all over. They are told that women are basically in another Handmaid's Tale situation and they need to stand up. So they are feisty right now. And I feel like this could be a game changer. All of these random young 18-year-old to 22-year-old young women and older who show up and vote maybe for the first time in their lives, just specifically from this issue. I'm really curious to see what what happens with that. Now, I wanted to talk about something else because it has to do with the midterms and it also has to do with a very hard topic. If you guys haven't seen yet, there's a lot of controversy with the race happening in Georgia, the race for who will be senator. The Republican candidate who won in the primary is named Herschel Walker. He's a former football player, former famous guy. Now he's in conservative politics. And let's just say his past was wild. And he has apparently four women that he's gotten pregnant and four or so different children, including someone that I know, Christian Walker. Christian Walker is, I think, about my age. And he's an influencer commentator and podcast show host as a conservative. Now he is eccentric, right? I'm like a little grandma and he is just bubbly and sweet and energetic. And I believe he first got started by doing like political videos in the Starbucks drive through. So he's just very creative and unique is how I would describe him in terms of his role in adding to the political conservative or Republican conversation. Now, Christian got put in a very sticky situation, and it's really unfortunate. And it kind of started a lot of problems in the Republican Party and in the conservative political arena. What do I mean by that? 
So apparently this woman came out, and I'm going to try and tell this story as simply as I can. Apparently this woman came out and said that Herschel Walker, years ago, in about 2009, had paid for an abortion for her. And she had proof because he sent her a get well card um, and signed it. And the signature is his actual signature. So we don't know much beyond that. So what we know about Herschel Walker is that he's been campaigning as a conservative family guy who had a sketchy past. And it's been known that he has these kids that I guess he wasn't involved with. And people have just kind of overlooked that, apparently. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with the situation at the time. So I'm kind of like, how the heck did all this happen in the first place? But he also is a very big anti-abortion person on the campaign trail. So you can imagine that there's some backlash to the fact that he paid for an abortion when it suited him, but he's now against it for other people. Now, people can change. Hearts can change. That's definitely something that we need to acknowledge and always allow grace for people that change their minds. But the problem here is a lot of dirty laundry is now coming out about Herschel Walker because of, guess what, the October surprise. And Christian is his son who has been dealing with this for his whole life. And so you have these two big media personalities, one's now running for office, and I can imagine in Christian's shoes that the things that he was told in order to support his father running for office, even though they have all this family drama, you know, he was kind of lied to. And there's a lot that's going on here. So he feels probably very overwhelmed and he let his emotions drive what he did next, but he came out with a selfie video calling out his father right before the election. So why am I telling you this? It's not to expose family la dirty laundry or anything like that, but it's more of a serious conversation that we need to be having. People are attacking Christian because of the timing, saying, oh my gosh, she must be bought by the Democrats. Really, you guys? <laughs> I can personally attest to this. I'm not close with Christian. I've seen him a few times, but I can tell you that he's a genuine person and he's not bought and paid for by the Democrats. And he had no intention of randomly leaking this or freaking out on his father to ruin his campaign right before it as some secret help to the Democrats. I can, I can promise you that. And I don't even know him that well, but I do know that his heart was well-intentioned in that respect. Now, some people say, why didn't you come out about this sooner, Christian, before he, he won the primary? And that's really my focus here. I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to show you the video of what Christian posted after this abortion story came out. And then we'll talk about the solutions for how we can avoid these problems in the future. Here's Christian. I stayed silent as the atrocities committed against my mom were downplayed. I stayed silent when it came out that my father, Herschel Walker, had all these random kids across the country, none of whom he raised. And you know my favorite issue to talk about is father absence. Surprise, because it affected me. That's why I talk about it all the time, because it affected me. Family values, people. He has four kids, four different women, wasn't in the house raising one of them. He was out having sex with other women. Do you care about family values? I was silent lie after lie after lie. The abortion card drops yesterday. It's literally his handwriting in the car. They say they have receipts, whatever. He gets on Twitter. He lies about it. Okay, I'm done. Done. 
Everything has been a lie. And so for the right to say I'm being suspicious for saying, hey, I'm, I'm done with the lies. When you all have been calling me saying, is this true about your dad? Gosh, we're not going to win Georgia, this candidate. That's been you. You have no idea what I've been through in my life. You have no idea what me and my mom have survived. We could have ended this on day one. We haven't. I haven't told any stories. I'm just saying don't lie. Don't lie. Okay, I'm just going to cut in here. So that's one of the first things he's getting backlash on. So in addition to the ridiculous claim that he's a Democrat or secretly paid and <laughs> paid by the Democrats to do something like this, I can tell you that's not the case. But the the next topic to really focus on then is, well, if if we could have known this before the primary election, before the campaign season started, then we wouldn't be in such a tight pickle about what to do now that the election day is only a couple weeks away. You guys see how it's like, oh, you mean this was all a secret that was known? So who could have stepped up in this situation to prevent such a flawed candidate from running for office in the first place? That's a big issue that Republicans have to wonder. On my mom, don't lie on me. Don't lie on the lives you've destroyed and act like you're some moral family man. Y'all should care about that, conservatives. And then for people. Okay, got to cut in again. Uh, He hit the nail on the head right there. I have told you this so many times on this show. We need to do business, to be friends with in our circles, and to elect, to represent us, people of moral character. Good people. It's not that hard. And you might think, oh, what what qualifies a good person? What is a good person? I feel like you can just tell. If you're good to the people in your private life, if you're good to the people behind closed doors, then I have a feeling that you're going to be more trustworthy when the rubber meets the road and you're making national policy. I think we all need to do this both in business, in politics, and in our personal lives, and we will all benefit from it. And action inspires others to follow suit. Peer rationale is the most impactful and effective way to really change a person for the better. I love that statistic. I think peer rationale is something that's often overlooked, but it's the most effective thing to do. So if we're talking about using peer rationale, it should also be with our actions. And when we align with people that are good, that are wholesome, that are moral, and we show them how much easier it is to do life in that way and to do politics in that way, to do business in that way, then we are going to inspire others to join us. But if we keep doing this crap, We are only going to bring dirt to our name, to our reputation. And I don't mean like, oh, we care what other people think. No, I mean to the longstanding legacy that we are trying to create in this nation to pass down from generation to generation. If we keep supporting people that are like this and then turning a blind eye when we hear what they're actually doing behind closed doors, it's never going to benefit anybody. When you're rotten on the inside, you're rotten on the out. As conservatives... I think, first of all, that there's a big difference between like a conservative and a Republican because a conservative, I would say, has a certain lifestyle and certain values that they live by, whereas a Republican, you could be like a little libertarian that also votes for Republican or you could just care about the free market and then maybe you're like socially liberal on other stuff. There's just so many different labels, but I think to truly be a conservative in your life, not in just politics you need to stand by your values. And if we are conservatives saying that we are okay with a man like that 
faking it in front of us and lying and lying and lying and just getting more and more exposed over time, then who are we? Are we hypocrites? So I'm saying this is a sticky situation. There really isn't a a healthy way to just immediately fix a problem like this. But long-term, when we're electing people, when we're figuring out who we want to represent us, we should be asking these more serious questions. And then perhaps these jerks wouldn't run in the first place conservatives and then for people on the left to act as though i'm responsible for all of the things that he has done i've talked about father i've I've talked all these because they've been close to me because they matter to me because i went through it that's why i've talked about it so when you say well talk about your dad i am i'm saying this behavior is atrocious don't come for me you don't have to like my father you don't have to like me you don't have to i'm just saying i'm done with the lies We were told at the beginning of this, he was going to get ahead of his past, hold himself accountable, all of these different things, and that would have been fine. Go ahead. He didn't do any of that. Everything's been a lie. Everything's been downplayed. Everything's been cutting corners. The whole thing. And who, who is, whose expense is that at? Me, my mom, as we're chased down by the media, uh, we're, we're terrorized, all these different things. Uh, uh, people are questioning my authenticity. I'm done. Don't lie. Don't put this on me. You, this is a candidate issue, not a me issue. I wouldn't have spoken out if there weren't all these lies every day. And just two more things I have to address and then I'm done with this buffoonery nutjob land. This is atrocious. People on the right are pulling up that I did a campaign event with my dad last year. They're saying, well, you supported them all last year and all this year. You look suspicious. No, no, no. You all have been calling me saying, why aren't you on the campaign trail with your dad? Why aren't you helping him out? This looks weird. You should go help him. And I've said to you calmly, I'm not getting involved. You don't know my family life. I did one event last year when we were told he was going to get ahead of his past and hold himself accountable. None of that happened. Everything's been a lie. So for me to tell you I'm not getting involved and then you also be flooding my DMs and calling me saying, I didn't know all this about your dad. We're going to lose the centuries. And then when I simply say I'm done with the lies, you go, well, Christian looks suspicious. Excuse me. I haven't told one story about what I experienced with him. I'm just simply saying, don't lie. And then for for certain political pundits to be pulling up old pictures I posted of my dad, thinking they can police and and determine what my relationship with my dad was. If you want to pull stuff up, I'll pull stuff up. Don't try me. Don't test my authenticity. All of this has been a lie and you've known it. You've known. So don't you dare. And then to the left who says, well, he did all this to your mom and you were still with them. And you, you know, that's weird. You know nothing about my life. My parents went through a dirty divorce. I went through a lot as a child. And and you don't know anything. You don't know the ebbs and flows of our relationship. Nobody knows anything. So for everyone making these wild theories and whatever, that, that that's crazy. This is about a bunch of lies. Again, I could, if I had an issue with whatever, I could have ended this day. Well, that's not my intention. My intention is don't lie about your life at the expense of me, my mom, and all of the people that you've affected throughout your life. You don't get to pretend you're some moral family guy. You don't get to pretend all these things. Talk policy, talk normal. Do not lie. Okay. So there's a few, a few things to say here. The first one is ideally we shouldn't allow a flawed candidate like this to get through the primary process. We should, as citizens, strive for greater representation. 
But what do we do if that information isn't available to us and then becomes available? Unfortunately, people who aren't exactly wholesome on the inside often strive for positions of power. And then it's a little too late after they've gotten that position of power. Then everybody kind of finds out what's really going on. So how are we supposed to make that decision as citizens if we didn't know this information until now? So that's one issue. The next issue would be as simple as this. We now have a hypocrite. uh, I, I honestly think kind of like a poser, if you ask me. I'm not a fan of this man at all. I feel very bad for Christian. I think it's really sad to see family stuff become public. And hearing his side and hearing, you know, the promises that were made of um, this candidate owning up to his past and addressing it and kind of using it as the narrative of like, listen, I've changed, I've done this. Instead, it was just kind of lie after lie after lie. And so Christian and his family felt very lied to themselves. Unfortunately, this is now the situation. You have the radical left in our country who could bring down the nation if they win majority. They are on a high-speed rail to the destruction of the republic, if you ask me. And they, if they continue to control the majority in the Senate, we will continue to see worse and worse things happen to our nation. I believe it is highly important that we keep the majority. So then it puts us, us people, we are trying to be good people. We're trying to create a positive impact for the country. And then we get put in this position because dirty politics was played. And now we have to what vote for this man because the Senate depends on it. That goes back to what I was saying earlier. This is a numbers game now. So politics is a dirty game. I'm highly disappointed in what I'm seeing from this candidate. It's very sad to see family dirty laundry out like this, especially when it has to do the bond between parents and children. But at the end of the day, we could lose the Senate. And I don't think that it's worth losing the Senate to not vote for him. So it's a personal decision everyone has to make. But at the end of the day, as Americans, as people that are maybe involved in the political system, if you are a committee person, if you're in the county GOP, if you're in the state party, who is going to step up to say, From now on, we are going to create a better process to vet candidates and ensure that we create an environment representing our side of people that believe in family, that believe in God, that believe in certain things that will drive this nation forward to a healthy, wholesome place. Because I hate being put in this position. It is so, so frustrating and sad. So that's all I'm going to say on that for now. It's wildly unfortunate that this is all happening right before the election. Because if it were any situation where we were able to choose a person to represent us in the Senate, I certainly wouldn't want this man to be a senator. And that's all I'll say. But I hope you guys have a nice rest of the Friday. It's the weekend now, so I hope you enjoy. And I will talk to you again next time. We're getting closer to the election, so we'll keep talking about election stuff as we go. Bye-bye.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.